Hey, so what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome to the fifth episode of Mario's Minute. For anybody that is new here, this is a monthly podcast that I do, and I have two monthly podcasts. I have this and I have Mod Chat, but this is a podcast that I release on the last Wednesday of every month. Been doing it this year, just started this year, and you know, five months going so far. And this is just a podcast where I talk about whatever the hell I want to really. This kind of stemmed from the original thought of missing gaming commentaries where this was YouTube several years ago where people were able to successfully take gameplay videos of different kinds and then just talk about whatever they wanted to, life experiences, advice, short stories, whatever it might be. They were able to share all of this and it was a pretty successful format and then it died out completely like it is completely dead now really at this point really frowned upon. However, I do miss that personal aspect to it and with the way that I kind of structure my channel now, I don't really get to do that as much. So this is kind of like my one thing I do every month where I can just really talk about whatever the hell I want to. Now, uh, it could be, you know, gaming related topics, technology related stuff, or just personal things that I have. And I try and do, you know, a little bit of everything on there. I actually, I do have a topic list here. And while I'm doing this, I'm going to say games played. So that's something I'm trying to touch on every month with like the stuff that I'm playing. Uh, but let's go ahead and just get right into this. I have a few topics that I've kind of drafted up on here. Uh, some of them are personal, some of them are gaming related, some of them might just be technology related stuff. So if you are interested in this, you know, of course, this is on the channel. This is a video that's mainly just kind of an accommodation to the podcast. So this is a podcast first and foremost, but if you want to listen to it in podcast form, it is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, and Podbean filters it to pretty much every major podcast app. So I use Pocket Cast, for example. That's how I consume my stuff. So if you want more of this, feel free to subscribe on those platforms as well, too. But anyways, getting into this here. The first thing I wanted to talk about was I discussed this uh, for my last episode. Uh, now, if you tuned into episode four, I was talking about a diet that I was starting called the keto diet or the ketogenic diet. Uh, and by the way, <laughs> this is one of those things I'm sure a lot of people don't want to hear about. But if you're watching this on YouTube, there are timestamps down below in the description and in the comments. So you can kind of pick and choose what you want to listen to. But anyways, coming back on here, I want to give you all my progress updates on that. Uh, so I can safely say right now I am recording this a little bit early before it's supposed to come out. Um, almost a week early, just almost. But at this point, I've been on keto for over a month. When I did episode four, I was thirsty, I was tired, I was headachy. That was my first day of keto, and I wanted to take some time to talk about, you know, what's been going on with that. Uh, so long story short, I lost 15 pounds so far. It's great. I'm still not at my goals yet. I kind of have, you know, a, a few goals. My, my main goal weight, I, I still have a bit to go until I get there, but I have three things, so from little to big. The first little one is I want to get under my lowest weight that I have seen. You see, as long as I can remember, I've always been overweight. I've never been obese, thankfully. Maybe at one point as a kid I might have been obese. I don't know. I was never checking my BMI at that point. But I have always been overweight for the most part. And several years ago, I tried just calorie counting dieting. And I was able to successfully lose a good amount of weight, and I was actually heavier than I was when I started keto. So I actually technically lost more weight doing that. But there was one number that I got down to, and it was the lowest I got to, and I never got under that. My first goal is I want to get under that number. My second goal is just a few pounds after that, 
I want to be normal BMI for the first time. So at one point, hopefully here soon, I won't be overweight. And that'll be a nice goal. And the third one, of course, is my goal weight. I don't want to share the numbers yet, but um, I am very, very, very close to hitting the first goal. Like, honestly, I could probably either hit it today or tomorrow. Uh, the second goal, I might be like a week or two away, depending on how I eat, how I exercise and all that stuff. But yeah, I kind of wanted to discuss that. So the last episode, it was my first day on keto when I recorded that. And I was saying, hey, you know, I'm actually waiting to get the keto flu. That's when you kind of feel sickly and you kind of feel like you're getting the flu. You feel weak because your body is adjusting to not having carbs anymore because this diet is based on high fat, low carb. So your key is you're starving your body of carbs, but you're eating fat to make up for that and you're eating protein to keep you full and you're keeping your liquids up and doing all that stuff and trying to maintain that way and at one point then your body's going to reject it so you're going to feel miserable as your body kind of shifts gears overall but once it shifts gears and it's like oh shit we're not going to be dealing in carbs anymore but we have this stuff called fat that we're getting a lot of so we're going to start burning fat that's when you're in ketosis it took me two days to get into ketosis I did not use any of the pee strips, I didn't use any of those, you know, mouth strips, any of that stuff. The way I was able to tell was, so I think it was Sunday, I had started, Monday, that was so my second day, but Tuesday, I noticed, I did notice a big change in my power levels, but I was definitely thirstier, and I noticed this, like, you know, I got ready and all that stuff that day, I showered, brushed my teeth and all that, and I hadn't eaten or drinking anything yet, but... I got in my car, drove to work, right when I pulled in, I kind of noticed something. I noticed I had some funky breath. Now again, my mouth was clean, and I had not eaten or drinking anything, and I was so happy, because that is called keto breath. It's not the best thing, but it's just one of those little side effects. There's a bunch of little side effects you kind of have, and also I had been losing weight already. I had lost a few pounds here and there, so therefore, you know, I kind of ran it by one of my friends who had introduced me to this, and he was like, dude, it sounds like you're in ketosis. It looks like you're doing all the right stuff. It sounds like you hit all the right goals. You're in ketosis. Congratulations. And it's been two days. Uh, and thankfully, I completely bypassed the keto flu. I seem to be one of those people that's a bit of a rarity, but this is, I guess, any type of advice that I can give on that if you're ever looking into this. The ways I stuck with, well, the, the ways I guess I bypassed keto flu were, first off, you know, I was strict with this diet and I'm more looking at the first week and I really haven't cheated either it's more if I eat something that isn't keto I'll have a small bite of it like for example girlfriend had an apple pie that shit's delicious I had a small bite of that like a small bite that's not gonna knock me out of ketosis or if she has some other sweet or if she has a sandwich I'll take a small bite out of it because I still want to taste it you know that stuff tastes good and really my cravings haven't changed well I guess I'm not craving anything but My tastes haven't changed. I have a sweet tooth. I still have a sweet tooth. That has not changed for me. However, I have definitely changed what I've been eating. So in regards to all of that, uh, my main things were, you know, first of all, I made sure, uh, because I talked in the last episode, I spent a, a good amount of money getting my food done, getting my food prepped. So I meal prepped for an entire, like, an entire week in advance. So therefore, I had my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner set for me daily. My breakfast, I can eat it cold. My lunch and dinner, I just put in the microwave for a few minutes. I eat them. I'm done with that. Any snacks I had, I made sure were keto friendly. I made sure I was drinking plenty of water. However, 
you're also going to be emptying your bladder a lot, <laughs> very fast. Like, I think my record so far, there was one day I probably drank three gallons of water easily. And I looked it up. You cannot be, you, you can't get overhydrated from that. And I wasn't just slamming and slamming and slamming it down. But I did look this up because I was a little bit concerned. I found out that it doesn't get dangerous really until you're drinking five gallons of water within a day. That's when you're going to start, you know, kind of getting to that point of overhydration. And you also have to make sure, you know, you're keeping it balanced as well, too. As I said, you're going to have to drain your bladder a lot. As I read, your your kidneys and and everything can only handle expelling a liter of water per hour. So you're going to have to, you know, get all that set up. But the important thing is, although water is lovely and it's a great thing and it is life, you also have to hydrate properly. A lot of people think that it's just drinking a lot of water, but the problem is when you're drinking so much, especially on keto because you're so thirsty because your body's just not retaining water like it used to, you're bringing in water, you're pushing it out a lot faster. You're thirstier faster, so you're going to drink even more water than you did before, which is great. But every time you're going to the bathroom, you're releasing nutrients that your body does need. So therefore, that's when it helps to have a supplement of some kind. So it's nothing scary by any means. I know supplement sounds scary, but people are talking about take a multivitamin. I already do. Uh, take some other things such as magnesium or zinc. Uh, I do take zinc. And these are things that I already took prior. Now, I do take a fiber gummy, I guess, because that's one thing too. You do need more fiber in your diet when you're doing this or else you're going to run into a few issues here and there. For the most part, I've been fine with that. Uh, but my big thing has been, you know, making sure you're hydrated properly. And what I did for that was I actually ended up buying several little packets of this grape Mio zero calorie sweetener. And not only it tastes nice, you just mix it in your water, at zero calories. It's not going to knock you out of ketosis, but it has a lot of extra nutrients and things that you lose while going to the bathroom that water is going to flush out. And I drank that, you know, a good amount, I would say. I drank several cups of that over those first two days because I wanted something with taste, but also I knew how that was. And I'd even noticed, you know, if I drink this, it makes my headache a little bit better. But those are my pieces of advice on there. You know, make sure, just, just stick to it. Make sure your food is all keto-friendly. If you can prep it early, that would be great. Make sure your snacks, because you're probably going to want a snack, are all keto-friendly. Make sure everything is available to you. Don't set yourself up to fail. And that is why I had said prior in my previous um, episode that when I learned about keto and was looking into it, I didn't just do cold turkey like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do keto. I'm like, no, I'm going to research this. And I'm going to set a date for myself, which was April 21st, because therefore also that week there was a lot of stuff going on. So I wanted pizza. I wanted pad thai. I wanted rice. I wanted a lot. I wanted to have a week to just eat whatever the hell I want to, to have my goodbye. And I think unless you are in a dire life or death situation, I think you should allow yourself to do that as well, too. If you're thinking of doing keto, do your research. Set a date for sure, make sure you prepare everything for it, and then give yourself some leeway. It could be two days, it could be a week, and don't pig out for God's sake, but just eat all your favorite foods. Just eat the stuff that you like, knowing, okay, on this day, I cannot eat this stuff anymore. And I, I, th I think that's pretty good. So I don't have any regrets of, oh, that last pizza or that last thing of pad thai or that last really amazing Middle Eastern food like meal I had, because I already got to do all that stuff. 
and I'm happy with it. So that's all I can say on it. So far, it's been successful. Hopefully next month, I can update you with even more weight loss. There was at one point, you know, for about a week or two, uh, I did stagnate where I lost over the course of like two weeks. This is the last thing I'll say on it. But over the course of like two weeks, I lost like a pound. <laughs> there were two ways I looked at it. Um, one of them was, you know, I kind of looked at it. and I was like, at the time, I was like, you know, I only lost 11 or 12 pounds so far. But I kind of had to flip it and say, you know, what's worse? If I didn't do this diet, I wouldn't have lost this weight. Uh, but I, I could have actually gained maybe two pounds in this time period. So I shouldn't be annoyed about that. It is a little bit discouraging, but hey, it happens. The other thing is too, is plateaus are normal for any type of weight loss, whatever you're doing. I kind of hit one right there. I seemed to now just go under it because now the scale ended up moving a good amount again, which I'm quite happy with. Um, but no, when those things are happening, Another thing that's helped out is either comparison photos or tape measures. Now, I have a tape measure. I haven't used it, but periodically I have taken before and after photos of myself. I have a photo of myself the first day I started keto. I have a photo of myself, you know, about three weeks into it. I have a photo a month into it as well. And I was looking at those photos and comparing them. And even the last two I talked about, so the three weeks in one and the month in photos, even though I lost maybe half a pound or a pound, I can tell a difference. And that was really motivating. And that is normal too. There's just points where if it makes any sense, you will slim down without losing the weight. And that happens. And it's just the way the body works. But those, you just have to still power through them. You can go in, you can change your macros, you can do a few other things, but I just kind of powered through it and I'm on the weight loss train again. So it's been great. Huh, okay, let's get off of that. So one thing I want to talk about that is a little bit near and dear to me for good and bad reasons is the Best Buy Gamers Club Unlocked. Now, in case you do not know, this is an awesome program run by a company that I do not like, but I give them money because it is an awesome program. I did a video review on this a few years ago, and I gave it a stellar review. Funny enough, I also do not like Best Buy. I detest Best Buy for many different reasons that I really don't want to get into. I think I've made a few videos on that as well, too. But the point is, talking about Gamers Club Unlocked, this is something awesome that Best Buy did that they are now discontinuing. So I'm going to kind of play it up for you, right? A video game in the U.S. costs $60 before tax. So Best Buy Gamers Club Unlocked, you pay $30 for two years. And what do you get back on that? Any pre-owned games, you end up getting 10% off. Any brand new games, you get 20% off. You also get some coupons, you get some extra discounts here and there, and you end up earning reward points faster. So when you buy games with the Gamers Club Unlocked, you earn double the reward points. If you pre-order certain titles, you could also get 5 or $10 reward um, coupons as well too. So this all stacks up. So if you're buying several games and you're getting all these points and you can redeem them for 5 or 10 or $15 off anything in Best Buy, combined with some games that you might be pre-ordering that you get $10 off on each of those, you can combine those and you start stacking up. You're then getting discounted games for very, very little or even free. It's a really awesome system. And even though I don't like Best Buy, I have supported this for several years because it is such a great deal. Even if you don't buy games day one, 
guess what? You know, a game goes on sale for 30 bucks. You get 20% off on that. A game drops down to $5. You get 20% off on that as long as it's a new game. A game is a $200 special edition. Guess what? 20% off. Gamers Club Unlocked is awesome. I absolutely love it. You know what? I've even used it for PC games a few times, funny enough. I know some people might wonder why the hell I'm doing that, why I don't go through Origin or Steam or another code site, whatever it is. My friend and I actually both end up using it when we bought Overwatch. We wanted to get Overwatch, you know, I guess whatever edition it was. We didn't get the $40 edition. We were going to get the $60 one, and no one had it on sale. The cheapest we could find it was like $57, but... Best Buy sold physical copies of Overwatch. We walked in there, we used 20% off, we got the game for 48 bucks, so lower than any other place, which is funny enough. And then, of course, you know, because it's a digital game, like, I didn't use the physical stuff. I literally, I opened it up, took the code out of there, redeemed it on my Blizzard account, and I was good to go at that point. But you could use it on any game, and again, it's awesome. But, but, they ended up canceling it. And it started as they took it down off their website. Because what you could do, and this was completely ass-backwards. I don't understand this. And this is one of the reasons why I don't like Best Buy here. Because of some stuff like this. They had this feature where you could buy Gamers Club Unlocked on the website. But when I did it before, I did it once. And I never did it again because it was so cumbersome and annoying. You end up buying the membership. You can order it for $30 on BestBuy.com. You get it shipped to you. When you get it shipped to you, you get a card, the blue card for Gamers Club Unlocked, which you then have to take into a Best Buy store to get redeemed. So if you order it online, it's pointless. As I understand it, near the end, they did change it so that you can buy it and redeem it all online, but people even said that that was failing. So the best way of doing it was to buy and redeem it right there in store. Because it actually worked, and you would have to go there to do it anyways. So what ended up happening in regards to that was it, the, the listing was taken off the website, and people freaked out at first. And then apparently a lot of people were saying, well, it makes sense. You have to buy it in-store only now. It's still sold in stores, guy. It's guys, it's just taken off the website because it's not very reliable to redeem it on the site. But then some internal communication from Best Buy leaked out, and it was revealed they have indeed ceased giving new memberships for Gamers Club Unlocked. They are not renewing memberships, they are not giving out new memberships, and any current going memberships that are happening right now cannot be renewed. So, positive side for me, selfish, but like this is just how it is for me. I have a year to about a year and a half left to still reuse my 20% off discount, which I plan to use. But it's extremely disappointing because now I'm sure that their game sales are gonna take a hit. I don't know if that's going to be much of a bad thing, though, because here's the thing. For anybody that's saying, oh, this is a stupid idea for them, I don't like it because I'm selfish because I still want that 20% discount. However, for Best Buy, they're really not making that much off those games. They really aren't. So therefore, it's not going to make too much of a difference for them. You know, it's like, oh, we're not going to be like making as much money per game. They weren't making money. The Like, games were not... Games were a thing to bring people in. 
you go to Best Buy, you pick up a game. They're barely going to make money off that. You go to Best Buy, you pick up a game, an HDMI cable and a controller. They're making good money off the HDMI cable and the controller. You see, they're going to make money off the accessories. They're going to make money off the warranties. They're going to make money off of your consoles. They're going to make money off of everything else. The games, and especially the download codes, are there just to bring you in hoping that you are going to buy something else. Because guess what? If you buy a $60 game, but you buy a $25 controller, they're making more off that controller than they are off the game. Mission accomplished right there. So, and it's not just Best Buy. It's not just Best Buy. It's Target. It's Walmart. It's all these other places as well. Even GameStop, they're really not going to make too much off their new games. That's why they like to push their used games. This has been documented so much, but this is just all over there. So now the problem is, if you're wanting to join something, you have two options. You have Amazon Prime, which I use Amazon Prime. And I don't order games off Amazon Prime because even though, yes, I do get 20% off, there's a few stipulations. One of them is you can only get 25% off on pre-order games or games that are less than two weeks old. You cannot get 25% off of special editions of games. And then again, you have to pay for Amazon Prime. I look at Amazon Prime as a sunk cost because I already pay for it, but hey, that's how it is. Final thing, actually, final thing, you don't get reward points. You see, Best Buy, I still use that because I got the reward points and I built them up and I would get coupon codes and I use those coupon codes to get games even cheaper or free sometimes. You see, that's just how it's stacked up there. So I didn't have a system of points that I could use on Amazon. Now, Amazon does do, as I said, they're 20% off. So... Whenever this expires, like let's say you want to do this now, you decide you want to, you know, use Amazon Music, Amazon Video, a bunch of other apps, um, and you want things shipped to your door in a day or two, then sure, you can pay $120 per year, so that's quite a bit more. That's eight times more. But then again, this encompasses everything. But again, so breaking it down, <laughs> Gamers Club Unlocked, $30 for two years. You can only buy it two years at a time but you're paying $15 per year. Amazon now is $120 per year. So big, big difference if all you're wanting is video games. That might not even be worth it, to be honest, unless you're getting like a ton of games within the course of a year. But anyways, you end up doing, you know, your Amazon thing. So you get 25% off your regular editions. That's cool, but you're not going to, you know, get the same things on the special editions. You're not going to get the same things on your, um, you're not going to be able to acquire, co not codes, points, which is really frustrating, but you know what, it is what it is. We, it could be worse. I could be getting no discount. Um, I know, I believe it's GameStop now also has a program as well too, where you can get like 10 or 15% off new games if you subscribe to their thing. Theirs is the worst out of the big three. So Best Buy is the best. Amazon is under that. And Amazon, it's really only worth it if you're ordering a ton off Amazon. And finally, GameStop. That's going to be the worst discount thing. My fear is, in a year or two, what if Amazon and GameStop backpedal on theirs? Because, see, I I'm quite confident that the only reason why Amazon started up their program is because Best Buy was doing so well with game sales. I'm confident that the reason why GameStop spun up their program was because they were seeing what Best Buy was doing, and especially Amazon, and they had to compete somehow. Well, now Best Buy is out of there. Amazon, it does have a steep barrier to entry. Again, you have to pay $120 per year for Prime. 
versus $30 for two years for Gamers Club Unlocked. That's going to need to deter a ton of people. Lots of people have also canceled their Amazon Prime memberships because of that hike up. It used to be $80 and it went up to $100, now it's $120. So if Amazon is not dealing with the 20% off competition that Best Buy has, why do they need to provide it? Then if Amazon stops providing it, why does GameStop needs to discount their games? Because they're already not doing too well. They're not doing so hot. They, they haven't been too hot right now. If you look into a GameStop, if you walk into a GameStop store, it looks like they have truly lost their identity because now 60% of the store is merchandise because of their purchase of ThinkGeek or merger, whatever it might be. I'm pretty sure they purchased ThinkGeek. And the other 40% of the store is video games. It's now being a place called GameStop. The game section is being squandered. And it's hilarious and sad to see all at the same time. So that's my fear. In a year or two, I don't think... Like, I'm I'm doubtful we, we might not be able to go through a 20% off service if you're looking for physical console games. That's disappointing, but oh well. It's been weird, though. So, Gamers Club Unlocked's been one of those things. It, it seemed too good to be true. It was great for a few years, and it's still great, but you can't get it anymore. So, if you didn't hop onto the Gamers Club Unlocked bandwagon... I'm really sorry. The next comparable thing is Amazon, and that is only worth it if you're Amazonaholic, such as myself. <laughs> oh, man. So, next thing I wanted to talk about here was, apparently there was a new Xbox 360 update that came out. And I kind of wanted to discuss this a little bit, not just with the update, but... Many people were theorizing this might happen, but no one was expecting it. This is the first update in, I think, a year and a half for the Xbox 360. Nothing of significance, nothing of value. It was just ma minor changes. You got to realize the build numbers, every single time they add in or change something, the build number increments. So they don't like they don't put out revision one, two, three, four, five, because a lot of those are internal. They put out, you know, major builds, I would say. The last build we had was 17511. This one is 17526. So that's like they just pretty much it sounds like they just kind of like maintained their code base and just recompiled everything once a month. And then they decided, hey, you know, about a year and a half in, let's issue this update. Really, there's nothing big there in terms of the modding sphere there. Nothing was really affected if you're trying to get online with your hard modded system. XE build has been updated. The good servers that know what they're doing have been updated as well, too. Uh, but one thing that I believe might have been a casualty in this, and I'm not 100% sure, so maybe someone can confirm this with me. At least some people I've talked to who do mods online and such have said that Black Ops 2 GSE mod menus in theater mode have been killed off, which is a very good thing. And if you, it, and, and I guess this is more, this is more what I want to discuss here because this is interesting and hilarious and also sad to me all at the same time. <laughs> you have this game that came out in 2012 that still needs to be maintained because of this. I know I, I know Activision does, hates maintaining this game. I know they hate doing long-term support on games like this. Why? Because I've been at places where they don't want to support these old builds, these old versions of whatever software stack they have. Because it might just not make that much sense. Black Ops 2 does have, you know, a lot of eyes to it. Black Ops 2 was a very solid Call of Duty game. It was extremely popular on Xbox 360 
and PS3. PC, I, I believe the build on there was good. I don't know too much about it, but especially on Xbox 360. It's now backwards compatible on Xbox One. It has been. So it's populated all over again. Black Ops 4 was just announced and revealed. So people are going back. They want to play Black Ops, Black Ops 2, Black Ops 3. Those games are all going to get refilled. And I feel like Black Ops 2 will probably be the one that has the best population on there, at least in my opinion. But for anybody that does not know, mod menus are kind of as it says there. You do a button combination when you go into a game. It brings up an entire menu. You got, imagine a visual trainer that you can work through. But you can do god mode. You can do aimbots. You can warp around the map. You can change up guns. You can do all this other stuff with it. Um, just a ton of things. And normally the only way you can do this is with a hard modded Xbox 360 and a method of getting it online. And these are really just used to cheat online. That's the main thing with it. Well, at one point, Xbox 360 is best, that, that's the guy's username, ended up <laughs> figuring out a way to get theater mods going. Now, as I understand it, this is nothing new, and this has been seen before, but it completely blew up recently before it was, as I understand it, before it was patched. And this was bad, you all, this was bad. Like, I'm saying, again, you normally had to have a modern Xbox 360, a hard modern one, to take these online, or jailbroken PS3. I'm talking about the 360 side of things, though. When it comes to this, you could do this on a 100% stock, unmodified Xbox 360 or Xbox One. Black Ops 2 has a theater mode. All you had to do was go into the theater mode, go to the trending videos, and the most popular videos, the trending ones were the mod menu videos. So you pick whatever mod menu you want, you load up that video, and it's like, it could be a, a two, three, four minute video, and all you do is watch it. So you load up the video, you watch it all the way through, and by the end of the video, it ends up quote unquote infecting your system, which means that you have mods available on your system until you reset it. So as long as you don't turn off your console, and maybe even the game, I think if you close out of the game, I'm very inexperienced with taking my mods online because I really don't do it, I'll just be honest. But I believe if you close out of the game, if you fully close out of it and open it, your mods will go away. I'm not 100% sure though, but if you turn off your system and turn it back on, all your mods are gone. But this means that Xbox 360 stock players and Xbox One players not only had just like basic cheats, and it wasn't basic, they had a fully fledged mod menu, which is one of the more powerful things that you could do on there online. And it completely ruined the game, as I, as I understood. Lots of people were complaining, they were saying, this game is old, but this needs to be patched. It's now at the point where 5% of the games that I get into are normal non-stock, yeah, well, stock, unmodded lobbies. Because the problem with this as well, too, is that it was also off-host. So that meant that anybody who had the mod menu can use it. Long ago, it was to the point where you had to be the host in your game in order to use it. But no, not with this. You had off-host mods. It was an extremely powerful tool that was at the hands of everyone. And you didn't have to do anything shady to do it either. As I said, you load up the game, you go to theater mode, you find a infected or modded video, and you watch it, and you've been modded. <laughs> My god. I, so if they patched it, congratulations. I mean, I'm happy they did on there, but just damn, I also feel for the company at the same time that they are stuck 
patching a six-year-old game like that that I'm sure they really don't want to. I'm sure they don't want to be stuck doing that. But when a, a truly game-breaking thing like that happens, they have to do that. They absolutely have to. I have a couple other things I want to talk on here. One of them is maybe a bit of a rant on this, but YouTube changes to the subscription feed. So right now, again, I'm recording this about a week before I'm going to be putting this up, but it looks like there, there was a tweet that has been going around, and let me even find it here. I know, extremely professional. I'm just going to be going through this and such, but man, it has been rough. I'm telling you on YouTube, like, so far, this has been rough. This has been some rough stuff. So, somebody ended up asking this person by the name of JPM507. This is on Twitter. He asked YouTube, like the at YouTube account, why aren't the videos in my subscription feed in chronological order anymore? And Team YouTube, which is their PR, not their PR account, but their support account, end up saying, just to clarify, we are currently experimenting with how to show content in the subs feed. We find that some viewers are able to more easily find the videos they want to watch when we order the subs feed in a personalized order versus always showing the most recent video first. This to me is disgusting. This to me, if, if they rolled this out single-handedly, the worst change they could have made. I know a lot of people love to rag on YouTube. I've I've done, you know, some rant videos here and there as well, too. And YouTube is very al al <laughs> algorithmic-based. I know I'm not probably not saying that properly, but whatever. It's based on algorithms. You can make the best content out there, but if you're not tagging it properly, if it's not performing very well, if you're not doing, you know, your own job marketing it, it's going to just die. And then if you keep uploading videos that aren't doing well, your channel is not going to do that well either. However, if you keep uploading videos that are doing really well, your channel is going to do really well, your backlog is going to get pushed, your like pushed isn't going to get promoted, your playlists are going to get promoted, your channel itself will get promoted, and then everything will keep doing better, and everything is prioritized on watch time as well too, so then you're going to get more watch time, so it's going to turn into this just chaotic, crazy, just building up, building up um, big snowball effect that's what's going to happen if if you know you're successful with that but you can also have ebbs and flows and it depends on so many variations as well too i'll have videos i upload them and they just crash and it's a video that's been demanded and it's a video that has been tagged properly and such but it just doesn't do that well and i'll even have people say i wasn't notified of this video i didn't know this was uploaded i would have watched this meanwhile then i upload a video that i'm just like oh this is pretty niche it's not going to do too much it does gangbusters. It does better than the other video that was supposed to do better. So that's why there's so much that is out of our control. Now, normally when people think of the subscription feed, I want to clarify this. They normally think of going to www.youtube.com or you just open up your app on YouTube and the first screen you see where it has, you know, videos and all that stuff, that's all, all the stuff that's available there. That's not your subscription feed. That is your recommended Feed. That is your home page, and I guess technically recommended would probably be something else on there. No, 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 it's not. Your home page, that's where you have, you know, I'm looking at mine, for example, Boogie2988. I have several videos of his up there. There's recommended, so I have some people that I'm straight, like, that I'm subscribed to. I have other people on there as well, too, who are showing up in my recommended, who I'm not subscribed to, but because I've watched videos that are similar in content that are in the same sphere 
they're going to get pushed out to recommended. I have recently uploaded as well to breaking news, continue watching, watch it again, more channels. This is this is a poor this here is poor, unfortunately. And the reason why I say that is a lot of people it's it's instinctive the way they are. A lot of people want to click subscribe on channel like if you want to subscribe on this channel. And then they say, "Oh, I'm just going to, you know, open up YouTube and I'll see it in my feed." Well, here, here's some examples. So, watch it again. Okay, that's pretty self-explanatory. But I have, you know, this is Dan Bell. I have his channel up here. Right now I have a video that he uploaded a day ago and a video he uploaded a week ago. That seems to be fine. But then right under him, I have Nerd City. Now, this is his popular uploads, and it's pushing me videos from eight months ago, three months ago, one year ago, one year ago. Not the recent video that he made a week or two ago. There's another person, popular uploads. All four of the videos I'm seeing right here uploaded a year ago. And, and that's just the way it is. And then you have, you know, I have a, a music channel right here where it has a video from four days ago, a week ago, three weeks ago. There's, it's pushing the videos that are getting, that have gotten Buku views, that have gotten a lot of view time. And it's trying to push those to do better. But you most likely want to see your creators, like your favorite creators, latest videos. Therefore, we have the subscriptions feed, which is a actual page that you can go to and it lines up everything beautifully. It lines it up. The most recent stuff is first going down to the, you know, the latest, like the um, the earliest stuff. So something that was uploaded a minute ago is going to be in the first slot there. And it's just from newest to oldest. That's what it is, from newest to oldest. Easy enough, right? Apparently, they are doing a small experiment where they're going to be changing this. Instead of being chronological order, they're going to personalize it to you. So they're essentially going to turn my subscription... They, they, they want to try turning the subscriptions feed into the recommended feed, which I do not agree with at all. I have the homepage. I have the recommended. I have the subscriptions. Not that many people use a subscriptions page, so I don't even know why they are trying to remove it. The reason why I say not that many people use it is because the average person just opens up YouTube and clicks whatever's on the homepage. They, not that many people, honestly, not that many people use a subscriptions page. So when a lot of people say, oh, sub boxes are bo broken, subscriptions are broken, they probably aren't. The fact is, you're probably just subscribed to enough channels and you might want to see, let's say, my videos, for example, but my videos are just not being promoted in Recommended. My videos are just not being promoted on the homepage. But my videos will absolutely show up in your subscriptions page from the time that they were uploaded in chronological order. And they're wanting to change this. I am extremely against this. And they are trying to say, oh, it's a small experiment. It's a small experiment. It's a small experiment. I'm hoping they backpedal on this. I really am. Because here's the thing, and I, I've made my, I, I've notified them on Twitter of this. I know it sounds silly saying that, but I've said this, and I've been civil about it, and I said, no, I, I don't want this to happen. I want you all to roll back this experiment. People are outraged over it. People are not happy about it. People do not want it. Their voices have been heard. You have a ton of feedback of people who don't have this feature yet. Nobody wants this feature. Nobody thinks this is a good idea. 
And this is what's going to happen if it does become a default feature. It's going to get rolled out to people, and they're going to make it so that they say it's optional, but they're going to make it so that you have two options. You have a personalized subscription feed or a chronological subscription feed, and they're going to prioritize the personalized one. So you'll have to probably go into the corner and change it from personalized to, category, uh, to um you know, first and first, chronological, that's it, I was almost forgetting that, but you'll have to change it, and I doubt that change is going to stick, so that means every time you go to subscriptions, you're going to have to make that change manually, and then they're going to make it a little bit harder to tweak, and then it will probably get to the point where they will either hide it, or they'll just take it away, so your subscriptions feed is just going to be your personalized feed, aka recommended. That's why I don't want this to happen. That is why, because it's going to be even harder to find stuff like this. Like, yes, I, I can sit here. I'm not going to sit here and complain. I'm not going to sit here and complain and say, YouTube's not promoting my videos. YouTube's not putting me on recommended. YouTube's not putting me on home. Because there is still a way that you can see my videos. If you know how to use YouTube, if you know how to navigate it, you can click the subscriptions feed and you can see my stuff when it comes out. But they're trying to take that away as well, too. I don't get this with them. <laughs> you, you have this company who... You know, if you want to see videos for, continuously from a channel, you click, click the subscribe button. People do not get notified. There's issues with notifications with that. So a year or two ago, they implemented the bell. So now you have to essentially double subscribe. You have to subscribe and then you have to click the bell button for notifications. Great. You're getting notified of every single upload from your favorite YouTuber that you just essentially resubscribe to. And they changed the functionality of the bell. So now, unless you go in and change it, your bell has been changed to occasionally. So you'll get occasional notifications from the YouTuber that you explicitly wanted all notifications from. So you have to go to your favorite YouTuber, go to the bell, and change it from occasional notifications to all notifications, if that's what you're wanting. YouTube's... I will give them... I will give them this. I'll give them this. YouTube did say that a lot of those notifications were not utilized. <laughs> I know notification gang is a thing, but they were saying that, hey, a lot of people were just brushing off these notifications. A lot of people were getting notified too much to the point where they were getting annoyed and they were not coming onto the videos. Because I, 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 <laughs> you rarely watch every single video that a YouTuber does. There are people that do it, mind you, but even I myself, I have my favorite YouTubers, and I'm going to be the first one to admit there is not a YouTuber out there where I watch every single video that they put out. It just doesn't happen. It's human nature. It just doesn't happen. So, unless it's a channel that, you know, they've been around for a while and I want to binge it and they don't have too much content, they might have 50, 70 videos, whatever it is, that's much easier to do. But if you're watching a YouTube where they upload, you know, once a week or once every few days or even daily, you are not going to be watching every single video they put out. You might be watching every single video they put out now. Maybe in a month you're going to do that. In six months, in a year, you're probably not going to do that. So I, I can understand why with that. And again, even with the human nature thing, I remember I talked with Devin about this, um, Paranoid Coder, uh, uh, otherwise as he's known as on here, and he's on my other podcast. But we talked about recommendations and YouTube feeds and all that stuff. This was several, several weeks ago. And he was saying, yeah, I've noticed that distinctly with my channel, like not his channel, but like when he's on YouTube. So technically his channel, he's like, no, there's YouTubers I subscribe to. And when I subscribe to them, YouTube ends up pushing my videos to them. And the more I watch them, 
the more that I notice, I see their videos pop up in my feed. But then it will get to the point where I just kind of get burned out or they're just uploading every single day and I don't want to watch them. So I stop watching them after a week or two. And at one point, they start getting up recommended to me much less or they're no longer recommended to me. So he has seen that himself. Don't make this change, man. Don't make this change, YouTube. Keep, keep, that, that, that's all I'm asking. Just keep the subscriptions feed available. I don't, I don't know what's been going on with this. And even so, even so, the thing is, even though they've said it's a very small percentage of people, <laughs> the problem is with YouTube, they have so many users and so many channels, they've seen every single use case. And the problem is, if there's something that affects a small, small, small percentage of people, guess what? That could be affecting 300 people. That's a lot, right? 300 people is a good chunk of people. 300 people is like a healthy, graduating high school class. But to YouTube, that could be an extremely minuscule percentage. But they've had to see everything with that. They've had to truly see everything. So I'm trying to look at it on both sides. I'm just saying, don't touch a subscription feed. I don't know why this was thought of as a good idea that people would be okay with. But man, I don't know. <laughs> Last thing I wanted to talk about, I guess this will probably be a bit of a shorter episode because I'm tired and I want to, you know, get this all wrapped up here. But games I've been playing. I got my Switch back. I got my Switch back. Haven't really been playing it, unfortunately. Haven't finished Minecraft Story Mode. I end up getting some games from a company that I'm going to be talking about. I am excited to talk about them, but I haven't even touched those games yet. Uh, I haven't played God of War. I still haven't finished God of War, but I'm playing it. I love it. It's really game of the year material so far. And Hidden Agenda, um, I actually end up replaying that. And if you have a PS4, I'd recommend picking it up. You can pick up this game. It, it debuted for 20 bucks, but I've seen it as low as $5 physical, and I would highly recommend picking it up. It's great. It is, I'll explain to you. So it's essentially a, I guess I could call it like a interactive movie game, much like Beyond Two Souls, Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, Until Dawn, any of those games. The thing with this is you don't use a controller to play. You have to download an app onto a smart device and then you end up connecting. So it's multiple people. Now my girlfriend and I played it and it's really fun because you're able to go through, you're able to, you know, pick your choices and all that stuff. And especially if you get more people in, then it becomes even more fun and you could be competitive or you can be cooperative, whatever you want to do. And the game is very quick as well too. You can, it's probably the length of a movie to be honest. So I'm pretty sure within an hour and a half, maximum two hours, you can finish it because it's a three-part game. Uh, and that's also why it's so cheap as well, too. But we ended up replaying that recently. We finished it and it still holds up. I still very much enjoy it. She still very much enjoyed it. Unfortunately, we did finish it a good amount earlier than we originally did. Because we ended up solving the case much faster than we did the first time we played through it. So that's the only downside on that. I wish it was longer as well, too. That would be nice. But, you know, it's a good It's especially an awesome game to play with people who want something like this, but they're intimidated by games. They, they're intimidated by a controller or they like a movie experience more than a game experience. That's why I like that interactive movie thing. So it's kind of like, you know, you have your games and then you have your interactive movie games, which is like Beyond Two Souls, Heavy Rain, things like that. 
But even so, then, bring it one step down again. Make a game like that for people that don't know how to play games. Or people that just want to be super, super, super casual with it. And bam, you got it. And that and that's what makes it great to me, at least. I think it could have been better in many ways. You know, again, I think it could have been longer. I think the writing could have been a bit better. I would have liked more options with things. But again, this was a $20 game when it initially came out. I think I got it on sale for, I want to say like 11 bucks, something like that. It was either like, it was no more than 15 But again, I've seen this drop to as low as 5 This is part of Sony's PlayLink series. They've released, as I understand, four PlayLink games physically. There's more on the PlayStation Network store. But I don't think they've done too well, unfortunately, because all of them have gone on deep sale. All of them. There's a Sing Star game, there's That's You, and there's one other, and I can't remember. But I got all of them because this was something I wanted to support. This was an idea that I liked, but I also kind of knew it was going to be kind of a niche thing as well. But that's one thing I also do like about Sony. They're, they're not afraid to hang on to something and hang on to something and hang on to something and hang on to something. I like that with them. Like, The Last Guardian, look how long it took us to get it. But we got it. Uh, Detroit Become Human, that's been in development for so long. We got it. Sony's had several other exclusives that, you know, didn't do too well. Even, like, series they have. The first one came out, doesn't do so well. Second one comes out, does okay. The third one comes out, does gangbusters. Sony hangs on to that, and that that's what I like about them. Nintendo, I don't know. Nintendo doesn't have too many failures of series, from what I've noticed. They do have some games that are black sheep, though. I'm, the main one I'm thinking of in recent memory is uh, Devil's Third. Devil's Third on the Wii U. Um, Nintendo, in my opinion, did not like this game. They didn't want it on their platform at all. They didn't want to push it. They initially did a very small print run of the game, did zero promotion for it, wanted this, the servers... The multiplayer got servers got axed within a year of the game being released. And I think the game is still hard to find. Yes, it did get a second pressing because of the game's value, because the game's value went up so much that Nintendo decided to do a second pressing. But I, I think that's it. I think even that second pressing, it's like, yeah, you can find the game now, but by that time, everyone's like, oh, well, I mean, they're just pressing it again because they're trying to cash on it, but the game's not that good. <laughs> so there's games like that and that was a wii u exclusive by the way as well too so nintendo does have some things like that and i feel like that one was set up to fail specifically but xbox like microsoft i feel like they don't they don't nurture that as much like what we got crackdown we got crackdown that's supposed to be coming out question marks i don't know when i don't know what's going to happen with that i'll be surprised if we ever see crackdown 3 really sea of thieves it seems like they stuck to that quantum break but even with that, I feel like they really don't give studios a second opportunity. You kind of have a one and done with Microsoft. If you can have something like a Halo, oh man, they will bend over backwards. They're, they're going to keep throwing Halo money at you until Halo's not generating any money for them. If you have something that doesn't do too well, like a Quantum Break, maybe a Sea of Thieves, we'll see how Crackdown does. But in short, if you have something that doesn't do too well on the first run, you're out of there. That's really disappointing to see. It's really disappointing. 
Anyways, you know, this episode, this is the shortest episode here. It is under an hour now, but we're just over 50 minutes. So I want to keep these episodes under an hour. So I think I'm going to aim for the 45 to 60 minute mark, something like that when I do these episodes. But let me know what you thought of this. Did you enjoy it? Did you want to hear something else on this? What were your thoughts on the topics as well, too? Leave a comment down below on the YouTube video if you're on here. And let me think of something. Let me let me think of something that uh, that would be good. If you made it to the end of this video... Tell me what your thoughts are in regards to Gamers Club Unlocked, and what do you do for discounted games? Are you a PC-only gamer where you buy from G2A and CDKeys.com and a few other places? Do you just buy during Steam sales? Uh, did you use GCU? Did you want Gamers Club Unlocked? Are you on Amazon so you're okay? Let me know of that. So your comparison, just say you know what your thoughts are, the, the ways you get discounted games, and, and I'll be able to tell. I'll be able to tell. By the way, th thank you. Huge shout out and thank you to the people who talked about God of War in the comment section last episode. <laughs> Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone. Until next month.